we had we had a a precious family over uh to our home last week and um sorry and one of the one of the daughters says hey i'll i'll feed i'll feed hatton right and we're like yeah for sure feed hatton hatton never never spits up like never this man projectile vomits this man. on this on this girl and the whole time i'm like there is more formula that came out of you than was in that bottle Ugh. and i don't understand how it happened he made cheese hmm? he made cheese <laughs> that's, oh, that's, dude. that's what it is it's curdled and that uh, smell bro like uh, yeah. you gotta wash your clothes like yeah. a minimum of three times but i do love inside the neck of the baby when it's your baby I wouldn't do this if anyone else's What baby. are you doing right now? There is a there is a like spit up saliva eating. Line? Yeah, and yeah, like no, it gets true. stinky in the neck, Ugh. but it's a cute stinky. No, it's not. <laughs> It is. It's a cute stinky. This man is. hasn't had. Ha, wait, it's how like been baby, too long? Yeah, it's too long. like guys, baby belly button years buzz. Nah, fuck. you're 18 years removed from this. Stop <laughs> no, it, sir. Stop it. I mean, you no, can't sir. dig in your own belly button and smell it, but you can kiss on your baby's neck and get you. Yeah, it's cute, bro. Oh, we should start this. <laughs> Like the the smell of the formula that we buy because he is lactose intolerant. Same, we think. Yeah, but they instantly <laughs> prescribed him for that. They have already projected no, onto they. this child. Not they. <laughs> doctors, some sort. Doctors told us WebMD. to switch to this. You think I'd be using this otherwise? <laughs> Yes, <laughs> I told Beth that I told Beth, Beth that, back away from that child's GI. I, I feel sometimes. I told Beth the other day. I said, I said, you know, Julie and Don think you're paranoid, and she was like, No, Julie's paranoid. And I was like, What is Julie paranoid about? She said she she told me that the kid had that hadn't uh, not hadn't Rowan has croup. And it's like, that's because Rowan has crew. <laughs> like, like that's, that's not paranoid. That's diagnostics. And, and the other side of it was like, I'm just trying to take care of him. And I'm like, I get it. I'm with you. Want him, I'm, I'm here for it. But it's like, we had a checkup like 36 minutes ago. He's good. He's good. <laughs> Beth's a fantastic mother. By the way. Not by the way, like sincerely. Way. She's just by awesome. The way. It's, it, when I, she was sitting there feeding, uh, feeding Haddon at like 2 a.m., the other night, and I was like, there's just a few things more beautiful than this site. Welcome to Products of Grace, a podcast by Mercy Hill Church. My name is Lawson Harlow. With me today, I have Don Terrell and Blake McCullough. So, Don, what are we doing today? So today, wow, what are we lot. doing today? The energy felt a little strange. Yeah, it did. Today, we will discuss the title of today's episode is... Red pill or blue pill, comma, Catholic? Did I write that sentence correctly? Question mark? <laughs> what are you talking about? Are you addressing the Catholic? Yes, in yeah. general. Like this podcast is for Catholic people. No, this podcast is a hypothetical question. Address well, that Catholic people. I guess, yes, address that Catholic then, people. Then, yeah, you can say that. Red pill or blue pill, comma, Catholic, question mark? Yeah. Okay. I, I mean, like it's not that. a complete sentence, but... It's not? What is it lacking? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Not really? It's something You're that literally makes it, that makes it a question? Like, what oh, would you certainly. like? 
Uh, you could put "Hey Catholic," <laughs> but why? But why is a complete sentence, isn't it? Sure, but that's a question. I uh, think it should be "Hey Catholic." Red pill, red or blue, pill, pill. blue pill? Question mark. I don't know. We'll let y'all figure it out. All right. So, <laughs> part of the theory of this podcast is that we connect last week to this week, and the update is you sold your car. I sold the car. Sold it doesn't car. go on the social medias. This and Lawson said... You didn't have to put it on Twitter. I didn't have to put it on Twitter. <clears throat> Lawson called me after that last episode. Mm-hmm. He said his favorite part was when I said my funny joke about putting the car on Twitter. Uh-huh. He said, you and I are dying laughing, and he never <laughs> he never laughed. And he said, this is the whole reason it has to be on video now, so that people can see... I guess that you and I are just a couple of goofballs, Blake. And that he's a robot. <laughs> I'm not a robot. <laughs> I just said that to get you back right up. <sighs> I went out on Twitter, speaking of Twitter, and asked about the Shane and Shane and lasagna. Did anyone answer? Nobody answered. I don't even know what that is. Because the crazy this. thing this, is. This is from when I had lasagna we were on the with stage Shane and Shane. at the old space. I remember recording yes. it. I just don't remember. I thought there was a tennis story, too. In that same episode, this is why we need to manuscript all of these episodes oh, and put it in what a was searchable database. <laughs> what was the question that we were answering? He was answering a question when he who, told the oh about Christian Shane famous, Shane. yeah, yeah, who Christian, is Christian famous. famous that you've met? Oh, and you were saying Christian famous doesn't count. He was saying yes, it does. Yeah, count. he said, does Christian famous count? He said, I actually had dinner with Shane and Shane, and but this, he met a, t- a tennis star. So you're right about tennis. Yes. Wow, man. Yeah. And then I said... you feel good about your uh, brain? I have a pretty good memory. Yeah. Low key. feel like? I said, did, they, did y'all have pancakes? <laughs> and it was one of those moments where you're unfazed, Lawson. Yeah, don't care. And Blake and I are actually <laughs> dying it, it, in our minds. Just vibing. Our minds together had the same scene. I'm certain of it. That it was you and Shane and Shane, candlelight and pancakes. <laughs> At Waffle House. No, 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 no. no like in your no, apartment. No, no. Yeah, it was, it was in your apartment. You're wearing jeans and boots. <laughs> I didn't own boots until Mercy Hill started. Okay, whatever. Jeans. So Shane and Shane was in Barefoot town this with week. Jeans. Barefoot. Chocos. Shane and Shane came to Bellevue. I know. They this did. week, we had Indeed. several people. Who all went? From I didn't camp Mercy Hill. Nobody went. told me about this. Really? Sarah I know. I'm genuinely it was too late. upset about it. I would have gone. Several folks. Hughes's. Maggie. I had I had I Noel. had lunch with them, Noel. and they didn't tell me they were going to Dirty Shane and dogs. Shane that evening. They probably didn't want you to come. That was dirt because it was Sunday night, right? Chad, yeah. Oh, Chad. See, there. that was small. Like we had small group. We had a great small group. It was a wonderful small group. Seriously. Um, other people were there. Yeah. Well, I, I would have loved to. Have gone. <clears throat> I asked where they're going to get inside the Christmas tree. I also. I also. <laughs> Guess Just, what? If they were getting inside the Christmas tree? Yeah, that Comment. was my funny joke to everybody going. I also like uh, went. I was with them one time before they performed and prayed for them before the uh, performance began. Me, this was me part and, of the story. Me and two yeah, other guys. Is, this yeah. is part of it. This is yeah, all part of it. This is all part of it. I don't know what episode is on, but they didn't. They didn't come through. They're my, uh, they're, they're actually <clears> my best friends. So the car I bought. <laughs> the car oh, I bought. Yeah, had a rosary in it. Oof. <laughs> Yeah. It's like a sign, like we had to talk about Catholicism. I know, and we opened last week's episode saying that the episode before last, that Charles was the author of the Apocrypha. It's apocryphal. Somebody episode. in my life asked me, what's the Apocrypha? Um, so then I had the Apocrypha. The I had 
the rosary. Yeah. And I mean, then I thought, then I thought. Have I ever told you about my first encounter with the Apocrypha? No. So we're at FCA, and we had a very eccentric FCA leader who was neither an athlete, and frankly, I'm not 100% sure if he was a Christian. I feel like that's fairly normal. Yeah. But anyway, he gets up there and he reads from like Bell and the Dragon, which is an apocryphal book, if I'm not mistaken. And he reads through it and he's like, I just read to you from the Apocrypha. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, I, and, I, and I'm sitting there. I'm like, this is weird. Man. Who is this guy? He was a chemistry teacher at weird. Grenada. And he said, he was like, man. this is not his. He said, from the he said, he said, no, 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 no. It's, it's, it's actually a high and Ooh, squeaky voice. Uh, yeah. Gross. And, um, and he was like, "Do it for us." Makes you think. This yeah. is, he said, "This isn't in most Bibles, but makes you think. Maybe there's more." I'm like this guy, what this guy, get him out of here. And then I started preaching there every Friday from at the school. Yeah, I preached. I preached every Friday from my sophomore year to my senior year of high school at like six a.m. for FCA. <laughs> what? Oh, at FCA. Yeah, so our FCA oh, was weird. I just thought this guy was so, like, <clears throat> meet you at the pole every Friday. <laughs> Out there with a boombox. A PA. Oh, like uh, one of those karaoke machines. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> See you at the pole, though. Speaking of speaking of ecumenical, it's like in the midst of all of this, like that's when I, I, I probably learned to preach more in my junior, sophomore to senior year of high school. And you know the best thing about it? What? There's no recordings. <laughs> Man, that's Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. There's no telling what. What's he been growing in, making? So what did we say? He's making more. Illustrations. Illustrations. There's no telling what illustration. He might have fled making illustrations. You went two, two weeks in a row. My choo-choo train? Had you gone three weeks, we were going to get you a present. Yeah. You screwed it up last week. Yeah, I don't care. I had a great time last week. <laughs> Every so often, I was telling, I was telling Beth. On Saturday, like I go, like I'm, I'm, I have this sermon ready. You know this feeling, right? You have this sermon ready, yeah. And uh, and you and you like walk up there, and as you walk up there, you're thinking, I really hope in the next thirty seconds that this the, all connects. The power, yeah, like the power of the Spirit hits, yeah. and you, and and that's what and, happened this week because I, I told Drew like five minutes before I walked up, I was like, I feel like a five out of ten right now, and so. Yeah, that's kind of how I felt that day. I was just trying not to throw up <laughs> two months ago. <laughs> Isn't it weird, was. though? It's but weird. I thought that was one of your best That's sermons. what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. It's so weird how the Lord sustains you for like 45 minutes. He's yeah. like, okay, it's like a timer. It's like 45 minutes. Because I told Blake go. that day, I was like, bro, you should be sick more often. Yeah. No, you're talking about like a year Dude, that ago. Was a, that was before that. Uh, Apparently, I get sick a lot. Maybe I should go to the doctor. <laughs> It's probably the potatoes you eat. I need to see if Beth and Julie can <laughs> figure out what's you. wrong with me. <laughs> Beth will hand you a papaya, uh, what are they called? Enzyme. You'll mm. be fine. Mm. Well, you were big on enzymes when I first started at Mercy Hill. He still is. Like I wasn't me. big on enzymes. I've brother. never been big on enzymes. We're at a fellowship at his house, and he's like, oh, we just finished eating pizza. He's like, oh, I got to go get my enzymes. <laughs> I got to go get an enzyme. <laughs> That's not real. I, I, told, Beth, is, bro. I told Beth That's at his real. house, I was like, Beth. If Haddon has stomach issues, they make little baby enzymes that you can squirt in the bottle. And she goes, seriously? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like she didn't realize he was on it. She was all in. All right. All right, let's start the podcast. We have started the podcast. All right, podcast. let's start it, start it. What are you saying? <laughs> <laughs> so Julie texts me. She's been catching up on the podcast. So she texts me. 
Y'all don't listen to together anymore? No, not together anymore. That hurts. He went back to work. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So she's texted me. This is based on the Apocrypha episode. Uh-huh, uh-huh, mm-hmm. uh-huh. She said, so I'm not your best friend? <laughs> Question mark. Yeah. <laughs> this happened. Charles, you're a winner. <laughs> but wait. I put, you're my wife, which supersedes any best friend. You're mm. better than a best friend. You know Amen. what she texts back? Yes. Nothing. Like just the conversation, like that is a sufficient and complete argument. It's nothing to say. Like she didn't love it or anything. Uh, uh-uh. but that's good in my world. That's really <laughs> yeah, good. It doesn't actually matter what was occurring. <laughs> yes. It's just like yes. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, I'm safe because that's true and right and appropriately ordered. So, what do you think about tracks? Uh, like biblical tracks. Track-ts. Okay. Tracks. Yeah. As long as you don't pretend that it's a tip. Oh, uh, true, yeah. true. The thousand dollar one or yes. whatever. I was yeah. in Coffee Central the other day. There were like three hundred dollar bills on the ground, and all of them were tracks. Wow, there's like the fake hundred. Literally, that. bro, just sends me on one. There are some good tracks. There are some really there's good. So ones. here's my idea. <clears throat> oh, <no. laughs> I think this is real. This is a revenue stream for the church, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> we should do little business cards. Products of Grace business cards with a QR code, and somehow you write the episode number on it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, bro? Like Catholic? Like there's tracks for Catholics, and we do a sufficient episode. Yeah, like in Utah, every track is for Mormons. Yes. Yeah. And if you have an episode specifically for... We could just do the QR code to this episode. Yes. We could have a collection of business cards. Yes. Like, oh, I'm here Mormon. This, bro. Here's the Mormon card. Yeah. Here's the Catholic Hey, I just card. bought your car. You have a rosary. Here <laughs> you, you go. Here's you the this. Adventist card. Yeah. yeah. Bam. Are we here Jehovah's this. Witnesses? <clears throat> that's it. Uh, never mind. I was just saying, I, I couldn't remember if I told y'all about the last time the Jehovah's Witness called me and told me I was being mean. All right. So is everybody familiar with the blue pill, red pill? I'll read the quote. The Matrix? Yeah. Yeah, but read it because it's been a while. I need to watch this movie again. Uh, Big while. You take the blue pill. Hmm. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Man, what a good movie. That's such a quality line. It is. It really is. Mm -hmm. Really is. Mm -hmm. So the idea is that I thought... And all this started with Follow the White Rabbit, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yep. The tattoo on the lady's arm. I watched that movie with my dad while I was in chemo. Like, actually, chemotherapy going into me. That was what we did. It was a good time. That's a fantastic movie. Uh, my thought was there will be a lot of quote-unquote Catholics who wake up on that day to a terrible reality and wasted their lives believing mm. lies, false gospel. I also want the word Catholic back. Because it belongs to us. Yes, it does. Um, so that's the ethos of this episode. And so with that, gentlemen, let's find out in the rest of this episode if the Pope is Catholic. <clears throat> that's a real idiom, dude. Oh, it's, it's is the Pope that, Catholic? Yeah, it's like it means um, obviously. Yeah, uh, obviously, yeah. Mines does a does a frog bump its butt when it jumps. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. He's lost in the orange fury. Yes, he is. And when you have him Don't. as a resource, he is a spear, not a shield. Mm. You use him. <laughs> for poking. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> All right, so we have, um, obviously, the cold open in the last episode had the word apocrypha in it, so we'll cover that. And we are going to go through six statements. Yes, I said six. And these six are, number one, you want to just hit them high level? Yeah, we'll give credit. Back? 
Yeah, so I have a source. Yeah. It's a YouTube. It's HTTPS <laughs> semicolon forward slash forward slash Y-O-U-T-U dot B-E forward slash big U big C. <laughs> <laughs> Giving credit to YouTube where I found it. It is. It's it's costy, right? Yeah, it's costy, Hen. Yeah, but it's not just costy. Uh, Lawson appreciated that. Deal. Lawson didn't laugh, y'all, but he <laughs> he acknowledged the comedy in that and appreciates it. <laughs> it's costy hen and a guy. And I did appreciate did I, it. it <laughs> I, I appreciated it. It's costy hen and Mike Gendron. I think is how you pronounce his name. Yeah. So Mike Gendron has six statements, and they are as follows: Number one. Uh, the Catholic Church preaches a false gospel. Mm-hmm. Number two, the Catholic Church corrupts the Word of God, which we'll cover the Apocrypha in that one. Number three, Catholic bishops are false apostles. Number four, Catholic priests are false mediators. Mm. Number five, Catholics engage in idolatry. And number six, Catholic, the Roman Catholic Church usurps the sovereignty of God. And then my little disclaimer here is, and then I want to talk about how Christ will come in the end to judge the world in righteousness and how the Catholic Church undermines this. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Because if it's all works-based, bro. Yeah, and I, that's what I, that was the rabbit hole I went down. All right, was, preaches a false gospel. Yeah, I think that's the, that's the starting point of it. And I, and I just want to say this before I get into what I'm going to argue from, from a couple of things that I went and looked at. Uh, everything I went and grabbed was not statements of Protestants defining Catholic theology. I went to and I went to an original source um, with a guy who essentially wrote the book of defending the Catholic understanding of justification against the Protestant definition of justification mm-hmm. and took what he said. Um, and <clears throat> it was actually it was it was intriguing because I think a very large portion of uh, Catholic, can I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the other connecting point in this episode is, in fact, I did buy a car from a guy that had a rosary in there. Yeah, we've yeah, not yeah. engaged in any right substantial conversation about this, and I just know that many people, you know, like I, I work with mm-hmm. a, a Roman Catholic. There's, you know, people, friends and family. I mean, for all of us, right? Mm-hmm. We have these encounters. So my thought was like. You know, you have that go-to if a Jehovah's Witness comes to my doorstep. Yeah. This is how I engage, and so mm-hmm. I thought just for my own, you know, personal, yeah, um, interaction with you guys to be like, hey, let's lay this out. Like, what would be, what needs to be those dri- you know, those driving doctrines to say like this is in fact a false. So I just wanted to say like, there's, I think there's plenty of people in our body. Yeah, that ha- yeah, for yeah. sure. And, and so this is what I this is this is what I thought of. And thanks for doing that. I think that kind of helps me even categorize a little bit better. If I if I want to know, or if I want to have a conversation with a Catholic, I think I'm starting out with the question: How is one saved? Hmm. Which I, I think it's important to ask these types of questions, and it's helpful for everybody. Number one, I don't want to tell you what you believe. Right mm-hmm. now, I, I can't on the other side of you telling me what you believe if it's inconsistent with what's actually taught in the Roman Catholic Church. Say, hey, I actually really agree with that, but you know that's not what's taught in the Roman Catholic Church. Um, and, and the interesting thing about the about a true Catholic is that we at least have the scriptures, although they have yeah. So we we have the scriptures in <laughs> common. However, the yeah, way however. they view them are 
are quite different, yeah, right? So grossly like, misunderstood. Grossly misunderstood. I think I think um, one of the points in here is that they corrupt the word of God is absolutely true, um, and so they corrupt it not by not by saying it's not the word of God. They corrupt it by adding in secondary um, authorities mm-hmm. and exalting them to a primary place, mm-hmm. right? So. If I'm to ask the question, and I, and I was thinking of justification in particular, right? So, what, how, if I'm asking a Roman Catholic, how is, how are you justified before God? They're going to instantly break it up into, like, a, a good Catholic is going to break it up into three categories. Um, so, the first category is you're justified at your baptism. Um, that means that infant, infant baptism, right? So, <clears throat> and it took it took this guy a, lot, a little while to get there because the argument is that. Okay, well, at the, at, the, at the Council of Trent, there's this argument that there is a progressive nature of justification, which if, you, if you're not paying attention, a, a Christian might hear that and think, well, there is a progressive sense that we are being saved, which, mm-hmm. at, which Christians affirm, right? Mm-hmm. Protestants mm-hmm. hard affirm this, mm-hmm. and we say, yeah, absolutely, there's a progressive sense in where we are being saved, but that's not justification. Mm-hmm. That's sanctification. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, the way that they would say is there's, there's there's a moment where you you are justified, but that but the way that they use that terminology and the way that we use that terminology is quite different because they're not saying that the that imputed righteousness is given to you at your justification. They're saying that grace has come upon you and the washing away of your previous sins has taken place in baptism. And so you are at a right relationship with, with God in the moment, in the moments after your baptism, up until the point where you commit some type of sin, either venial or mortal. Venial causes some type of difficulty and separation. Mortal removes you completely from your state of justification. Yep. So if you're removed completely from your state of justification, then what must you do then to continue on and to have a progressive sense of justification? Well, you must be doing works. Yeah. And this is where the Christian says, no, you believe, like, like the Protestant looks back and says, you believe, you're saying that you believe in justification by works. And they'll say, ah, no, we believe in, in works in the sense that it's grace and cooperation. Where it can be misunderstood is the Christian says, "Well, if I'm saved, then I'm gonna do. I'm gonna like fruit's gonna be produced, and I'm gonna do works. Well, that, that, mm-hmm. that's true, but we don't do works so that we might be infused or that we might be made righteous before God. We do works because we have been made righteous mm-hmm. in a in a judicial, uh, forensic sense. And so, justification starts for the Roman Catholic at baptism. That is the washing away of original sin. Mm-hmm. At that point, Adam's original sin has gone away, and, and you are actually in a right standing before God. And uh, this guy, I need to... In innocence. In, in innocence. Right. And then <clears throat> the argument then is there's, there's essentially a communication, not imputation, a communication of righteousness that comes to you, not not in an imputed way that the Protestants say, that we say, that, that Christ clothes you with His righteousness, but that Christ then begins to form righteousness in you, but it's, 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 it's you, right? It's right. you doing things, and you are actually becoming righteous, and that's essentially what will, what will justify you on the last day. Mm. But the issue is, again, you fall... All of that, well, all of that's gone, and then you have to go through penance. You have to go through the sacrament of confession. You have to go. You have to continue to participate in the mass, and then you have to essentially be brought back up to a state of grace. And then, and then, essentially, the process starts all over again. So, justification is and not you don't even know, here. right? There's no, there's no surety of your own salvation, correct? Like even until 
death. I would argue that you can't ever be be sure. Right. I'm sure that there are Catholics who would say that I, without a shadow of a doubt. Now, there is very clear Catholic universalist. Um, I, I listened to a guy who's become pretty popular. Uh, I think his name is Bishop Barron being interviewed with or being interviewed by Ben Shapiro, where he responds and essentially says, Ben Shapiro asked the question, forgive this, but he to quote, he says, well, am, so am I screwed then? Mm. And he says, mm. well, no. And, and, and he says, well, Christ is the privileged way, right, which denotes that there is a secondary means, but mm-hmm. y- and he argues that it, abiding by conscience is a means by which Christ abides and argues. And, yeah, very mm-hmm. strange. So I worked with a Catholic in a different role, and he would always, quote-unquote, like tongue-in-cheek, be like, yeah, you evangelicals are always getting saved. Oh, yeah. So I just always thought, like, as an evangelical, like to hear you speak, Lawson, it's like there there is a basis of required intellect on a factual revelation on mm-hmm. on giving a defense for what it means to getting saved or being being saved. justified. Yeah, and it, I yeah. think like that's what a lot of people are lacking is to be able to give that sound doctrinal defense and define what that is, right? I think a lot of my life, it was more based on my own personal experience, you know, and not factual in this. This is what the God of the universe has done. And I don't even think he was in a position where he would even ask. And the scriptures denote that says, a fair question is, what must I do to be saved? Mm -hmm. I don't even think that was part of his language. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I do think he has a point in that, like, yes, yeah. evangelicalism by and large has watered down to the point where people are getting saved every 18 months because they felt conviction again, and, mm-hmm. like, salvation and justification have lost their meaning mm-hmm. in a lot of places. Yeah, my cage stage intensified while I was doing this, like, in a very genuine sense. <laughs> well, I, I mean it, though, because <clears throat> there is... Like it was, it was, it was understanding the imputation of Christ's righteousness mm. and justification that put me to rest. Yeah, right. It's like I don't. It even it even changed the way that I ask for forgiveness for sin yeah. because I understand that my sin has been forgiven. There's yeah. a repentance that takes place in my life where I want to see, I want to put to death sin, and I want to walk in. I want to become who I am, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the process of sanctification. That's not the process of justification. And understanding justification in a punctiliar sense, meaning that the gavel has fallen for me, then frees me up. And and, and if I could, <coughs> like, this is actually the ground by which I'm convinced that all other, not all, many other Catholic heresies are, are given room, right? So the sacrament system can't be a sacramental system if you are imputed with Christ's righteousness and you need nothing else, mm, yeah. you, you, it can't be. If, 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 and, and by the way, I'm going to read you an argument that this apologist made, a Catholic apologist made, and you're going to think, wow, you just put a nail in your own coffin. Mm. That when I, when I was listening to it, it was so, it was so interesting hearing this man make this strong argument, everybody being like, wow. And I'm like, bro, you just put a nail in your own coffin. Mm. Like, this is the easiest thing ever now. So this Catholic apologist says this <clears throat> if imputed righteousness, uh, then justification is punctiliar. It assumes that if imputed righteousness is true, meaning that it's a one and done, you're justified before right. God is true, then it then um, then justification is punctiliar, no questions asked. Mm. And so the 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 Protestant says yes and amen, right? Mm. 
<coughs> he then makes the, his second premise, which is the faulty premise that leads to his faulty conclusion. He says this, since Paul teaches progressive justification, so his argument is then Paul teaches a progressive justification, then imputed righteousness isn't the ground for our salvation. Hmm. So that's his argument. Hmm. Now, he cites a couple of places. First, Romans 2. This is where he argues that there is a continual process of justification. And I'm very thrilled right now with my interpretation of Romans 2 that I preached like <laughs> two years ago. Yeah. So Romans 2.13 says this, let's start in verse 12. For all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law, and all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified. Okay, so his argument is, oh, well, the doers of the law then are being justified. There's a, there's a present sense in which this is being done. The issue is, that's not the purpose of Paul's argument in Romans 2. Paul's argument in Romans 2 is to say those who perfectly keep the law will be justified, mm -hmm. to which every Christian says, yes and amen. Mm -hmm. And then we ask, show me somebody who did it. Mm -hmm. None is righteous, mm -hmm. no, not one. Yeah. Which is the conclusion of his argument as mm -hmm. you get to the end of Romans, or the middle of Romans 3. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and so his argument is, oh, somebody's being justified. It's like, no, that's actually, I would argue, that's speaking of the perfectly righteous man who will be justified. That means declared righteous. Mm -hmm. And there is one who perfectly fulfilled this, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ, who was declared by the law that he, this is the righteous one, right? Mm -hmm. By which men will be saved, and only mm -hmm. through him will men be saved. So he makes that argument. And then his other one is Romans 6.16. And again, these are his citations. I, I mean... Um, Romans 6, 16, and then the other one's 1 Corinthians 4, 4, where he's thinking about a future justification. Uh, but Romans 6, 16, which uh, <clears throat> is comedic, again, because it, it essentially denies a process of sanctification and lumps them all into one category, and the one category is justification. So justification is the start of salvation, justification is the continuation of salvation, and justification is the essentially end or glorification. <clears throat> So this one, what then are we to sin because we are not under law, under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey, either of sin which leads to death or obedience which leads to righteousness? And one of the things you'll notice in the argumentation is that the word righteousness can only have one singular meaning, and the one singular meaning is justification, is declared mm -hmm. to be righteous. But that's not at all the way this is being used. Yeah. This is being used in the sense that I am that I am in light of all that's been accomplished from Romans really three twenty one all the way to the present point, is that in light of all of that, I am then offering myself up so that I might live righteously. This is this mm -hmm. is sanctification. This is the process of uh, of Christ being formed in us. This is what we affirm as sanctification. Mm -hmm. This has nothing to do with your judicial standing before God. Mm. And this is the confusion. Mm -hmm. And so process is, is, is one thing that it's this continual process of justification. It begins at your baptism, and at that moment, you're, you're, you're righteous, not with, the not with the imputed righteousness of Christ, but just a state of lack of guilt, like you mm -hmm. mentioned. And then essentially it's dependent upon you maintaining your righteousness up until um, your death, which is it's a long time. <laughs> any, any thoughts on that before I go to the final future justification? No. Okay, future justification. This one got me. Uh, this, this, you know, every so often you read something and you think, my goodness, my eyes have rolled so far back into my head that I can actually see my brain. <laughs> I can gracious. see the hearth of the fire. <clears throat> yeah. So, so Romans, <laughs> uh, not Romans, sorry, 1 Corinthians 4 4. I'm going to read the whole point, the whole chunk of this because it's. The whole thing? Not the, not the whole chapter. Stop. <laughs> so, 1 Corinthians 4. This is how one should regard. This is Paul defending his apostolic ministry. 
as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself, for I am not aware of anything against myself, but I am not thereby acquitted. So verse 4 is his big argument that that's the word acquitted means that you're found innocent, mm-hmm. righteous. Um, and his whole argument is that's a future justification that he's waiting for. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. Like Some of this is my—it's just— Wow, what a reach. <laughs> this has absolutely nothing to do with your judicial standing before yeah, God. It actually ha- it has everything to do with your standing before men. That's right. Yeah, and so in the midst of this, it's like, and so it goes on. Because he starts out saying, like, how much more is it to be, like, it's nothing to be judged by you. Right, so it goes yeah. on, and I'll finish it for the sake of clarity. In verse 4, it says, mm-hmm. I'll read the whole thing. For if I am not aware, I'm, for I am not aware of anything against myself, but I am not thereby acquitted because of his ignorance. He says, it is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time. Excuse me. I missed my page. Sorry. Before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring the light of things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purpose of the heart. Then each one will receive his commendation from God. But this, is, this has absolutely nothing to do with his forensic standing before God. It has everything to do with his fidelity. And yes, I would argue, an assessment of his works. But it is not an assessment of his works unto justification. Mm-hmm. It's, an, it's assess- an assessment to reward. Yep. So that's, that's the major argument. Yeah. The issue is, even in this, these are the citations that he gave. I mean, I wrote down every one of them. These are the citations that he gave. So let's, let's take his premise. If imputed righteousness, then justification is punctilier. Since Paul, Paul teaches progressive justification, then uh, imputed righteousness isn't the ground for our salvation. Your second premise is trash. Like, it's just trash. It it, it cannot stand the test of Scripture. Further, it cannot stand the test of countless other texts that declare the individual righteous, right? We are are not earning or meriting our righteous standing before God. Why is it that I have a righteous standing before God? It's not because I've taken particular sacraments. It's not because I have a really well... um, I have attended faithfully a local congregation. It's not because I'm an excellent husband or father or any of those things. My standing before God or or my keeping of the Mosaic law or any law that I find in the pages of Scripture, mm-hmm. the only thing that actually places me in right standing before God is the obedience of faith that brings me to Christ that He might impute and give me that perfect righteousness. I, I'm, I'm really hard-pressed to say at bare minute, not... Nah, it's impossible for us to say that this is the same gospel. Mm. Yeah. Can I read the section on the on the the Eucharist? I, I would save that for idolatry, but we can go straight okay. into that if you want to. Well, you just mentioned like the sacraments, and so oh yeah, because <clears throat> well, I think that's I, I forget what he says. What the first couple of points were, but one false gospel, but another one that he says in a different video is that we that there is a um, a different Christ. And the argument that he makes is that that they serve an insufficient Christ, and I think the Eucharist text right there does um, speak to that. So it says, the sacrifice of Christ and the sacrifice of the Eucharist are one single sacrifice. The victim is one and the same. The same now, off, excuse me, the same now offers through the ministry of priest who then offered himself on the cross. Only the manner of offering is different. And since in this divine sacrifice, which is celebrated in the Mass, the same Christ who offered himself once in a bloody manner on the altar of the cross is contained and offered in an unbloody manner. 
this sacrifice is truly propitiatory. Propitiatory. That's scary. That's big scary, bro. Uh, that's not even the worst thing that I found in that thing just today. But let's let's compare this with sacred scripture, shall we? <clears throat> this is uh this is what Hebrews chapter nine says. Um so it says, I'll read the latter half of 26 until the end. But as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of the age to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Uh, appeared once for all at the mm-hmm. end of the age to put away sin for the sac- by, by the sacrifice of himself. Mm-hmm. And just as it is appointed for men to die once, and after that comes the judgment. So Christ, having been offered once, and I just, the emphasis here, right, once, once, mm-hmm. to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly eagerly waiting waiting for him. Shout out. To make an argument that I must, that I must. That's hard to be a Catholic. But that's the whole thing. There's, there's so much. Why is this such a big church? You won't, I've got various thoughts there. And the actual reasoning, okay. The actual reasoning is it's the greatest weapon formed against the true gospel that's ever existed. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't. Is it which confession is it that says the Pope is the Antichrist? Uh, the sixteen eighty nine says it. Yeah, that's what I, was I, I have. I have really great difficulty not just saying yes and amen and walking away. Um. I mean, it's only. I mean, it's only in recent days that we've revised our most Baptists have revised their interpretation of that. I have absolutely no problem with that. Um, if you think about the actual seat that he sits on, both in a literal and a figurative sense, he sits as the head of the church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's the word? V I C A R. Vicar, the vicar of Christ, who vicar. speaks ex cathedra. Yeah, which Author- explains authoritatively from. Yeah, it's, it's so scripture is not closed. It is actually free flowing from the mouth of the Pope. Well, or it's his interpretation. It, it's same caliber. So if you think of it in like the form of a substance, it's it's of the same substance, meaning that it comes directly from revelation from God. It's to bear the same weight. And worse than that, I think there is there is a there is an ex cathedra interpretation of holy scripture where once that ex cathedra, meaning from the from the chair, is given, that is the interpretation. So let's take. Let's take the marriage of like homosexuals. Sure. Like if the Pope said it's good, then it's happening. It's already happened with the Mormons. Yeah, but I'm saying with, with them, the, the like most recent Pope did soft, like well, that, he right? softened his terms. he softened, softened terms. The, but yeah. I mean, again, like if he spoke ex cathedra, then yeah, I think it would be impossible not to not mm-hmm. to adopt that. Now we can't deny we can't deny that there is there are obvious commonalities. Yeah. Right. Like we uphold the doctrine of the Trinity. Right. Um, the but but I know here's I know I know but, I, do but, it, but so that's the thing that's the thing right like you can they're probably going to use similar arguments. It's one of the reasons that Aquinas has made his way back into Baptist circles mm-hmm. is because Aquinas makes arguments for the Trinity that a lot of Baptists still go to. Mm-hmm. You can't get me to touch Aquinas with a ten foot pole. Mm-hmm. I, I if you asked me right now if Aquinas was in heaven, I would I would have um, real reservations. Don't, don't say it. Real reservations. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> don't start. But, Don't do this on this podcast, please. But and I know, I like, I know that I'm touching a very sensitive topic. I, I just, I have difficulty believing that because of because of what he taught in regard to justification. Look, Aquinas's definition of justification is this: justification is a right rectitude of the mind and will of God. That's not the definition of uh, justification. Yeah. Do you think most Catholic parishioners is it a parishioner? Yeah. 
That's who like goes there. That is there. the word that they, they right. own that yeah. word, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they can keep that one. Because parish. Is, I, it just seems like to me like a lot of it's just mindless movements. Like it's never really an, it's never really an ex- examining of like what's being taught around here. It's, it's more like generational smells and cultural. bells you know what i'm saying it's like you get no. this yeah that, that was the point i was going to make too is that like all of that it just feels like a motion not emotion but a motion mm. right like you're going in and you're doing the things and you're coming out and it's just a week after week day after day motion but it never feels like there's substance and even in the catholic services i've set in like i feel I always have felt like the homily, right, was never, I never felt like that this was spirit inspired, that this was something that was like, I have dug into the text mm. and and sought to understand it. It always felt like, let me make a connection to the people and try to give this same canned stuff in a different way. Mm. And that kind of empty ritualism, mm. like I feel like is pervasive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it's also from my limited experience. Yeah, <clears throat> there is a. So this this was the moment that I went from I'm okay, I'm okay to I'm now not okay. <laughs> um, and it was it was the anybody ever seen a gas hot water heater light up the burner. <laughs> That little bitty pilot light, and all of a sudden it's fascinating. You get this little window, and there's a woof. <laughs> I imagine it was something like that. Yeah, but the um, the priest that I saw do this lifts up the the Bible and recites something over it. I can't remember exactly what it was, and as he recites it, they lift up the book, and it's it's incredible to me. It's almost like they lift it up for the sake of worship. Mm-hmm. But it's such a pseudo worship. Mm-hmm. It's like, like he, like it has a particular pedestal that it sits mm-hmm. in. It's lifted up and there's a gratitude for the word. And I'm thinking this, there's no gratitude here. Uh-huh. There's no, if there's gratitude here, we give our lives to it, yeah. right? We give our lives to its proclamation. We, yeah. we believe we it's break it open and we, we can say, yeah, 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 it's like yum, let's eat. Huh. And then the second thing is the lifting up of the Eucharist. And, you know, as I was listening to, um, to this guy talk, like thinking about, it's a setting up of the Eucharist for the purpose of worshiping the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that can't be missed. And I think it often is. It's a worshiping of the Eucharist. It's a worshiping of... Um, the substance. Right, right. But, and, and the argument there is, oh, well, that's a worshiping of Christ. It's not. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. not a worshiping of Christ. And, that's, and that, this is where the language of this is so ugly because it's somewhat difficult to navigate. Because like, oh, no, we, we lift up the Eucharist so that we can worship it. And it's like, and, and in the worshiping of the Eucharist, we're worshiping Christ. It's like, no, right. no. I, and again. And there's so much language about like sacrifice. Like, will again, this be a worthy sacrifice? And yeah. it's just like, we don't have to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was actually, as, as we're, I was continuing on in Hebrews, just kind of looking at it for a minute, and it says, it's almost like a going back to the concept of offering, um, offering up uh, goats and bulls. Yeah, the, the language is in, in yeah. there that they would continually offer because yeah. they, they, it was not sufficient. Because it was not sufficient. Right, but the sufficient offering of Christ is sufficient. Puts and therefore, because he had an indestructible life, yeah. the sacrifice is, is sufficient, and it does not, he does not need to suffer perpetually no. or continually. So there you're lifting up 
the Eucharist, yeah. the, the Mass, with a an image of a bloody cross yeah. normally hang, st- hanging yeah. in, in the uh-huh. you know in the cathedral in the what's the other word they use? I don't know. I don't know. Oh, there's another one. I don't know. Either way, it's a terrible place. Uh, the <laughs> oh, and like that goes into we've talked on this program before about how it can't be wasted because if it's the blood, yeah, and so you, you have to finish it, yeah. Mm-hmm. But and and I thinking about that in the light of Hebrews ten, I think is is genuinely helpful because it is essentially a statement of insufficiency. Mm-hmm. There's there's no way around it yeah. from being a statement of insufficiency, especially in concerning their own catechism, where they say that it's a genuine propitiation. Mm-hmm. It's not a genuine propitiation. It's a piece of bread. And like, listen, I I uphold and love love the Lord's table. I believe that there is a unique spiritual presence of Christ in that table. There's, there's not a like the argument from John six that this is the literal body and blood of Christ. That text doesn't touch the Lord's table at mm-hmm. all. It text, mm-hmm. I mean, like if that's in, if that's in First Corinthians eleven, or if that's in the institution of the table where he like argues for this, mm-hmm. yeah. then, then, then I would, I would probably reconsider my stance. But, but it doesn't have anything to do with that. It has everything to do with actual identity in the Lord Jesus Christ and following after His words, which is the actual context that's mentioned there. Mm. In you are the words of eternal life. Only in you is their life and life everlasting is ultimately what's being proclaimed there. And so, mm. yeah, I think to say idolatry is, is quite easy. I, I, I had never thought of it through the lens of idolatry of the, of the uh, Eucharist. I have thought of it through the idolatry of Mary. Mm-hmm. And, and I feel like this is a, what's a trope? It's like, oh, well, you worship Mary. And like, that's like, like it's like, oh, you just brought out the weakest argument ever. And I, and I want to read, like, I want to read their catechism on, on, on Mary. The motherhood of Mary, this, sorry, this is paragraph 969. God, what a long catechism. The motherhood of Mary in the order of grace continues uninterruptedly from the consent which she loyally gave at the Annunciation and which she, she sustained without wavering beneath the cross until the eternal fulfillment of all the elect. Taken up to heaven, again, they do not believe Mary died, but she was assumed into heaven. Taken up to heaven, she did not lay aside this saving office, but by her manifold intercession, listen to this, continues to bring us the gifts of eternal salvation. Shut up. Therefore, the Blessed Virgin is invoked in the church under the titles of advocate, helper, benefactress, and mediatrix. What do you do with Christ's words from Calvary saying, John, behold your mother? You know what I'm saying? Like he places her in his care up until her death. That's one. But then places her in in an earthly category yeah. to say, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, I think why wouldn't he say like, John, that's not your mother. It's actually and define her role. You know what I'm saying? Like, well, I just don't know what they would even do with there's one mediator between God and man. Like that seems pretty clear. Yeah, and and he names him. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I, the the titles of advocate and helper belong to the Holy Spirit. Yes. Yeah go away like I, I i just there's there's never gonna like we we use titles and, and i'll even t- and i'll say this in the next one in in paragraph 9070 970 it says mary's function as mother of men in no way obscures or diminishes the unique mediation of christ but rather shows its power here's Are they footnote here, they footnote no, it's, it's another paragraph but, uh, but here's but here's my issue it's like when you live in a country where everybody tells you you're free like all the time, it's like you're free, you're free, you're free. It may be because you're not free. Yeah. 
It's like if you have to be constantly reminded of your freedom, you probably don't have it. Yeah. In the very same sense, if you have to ever constantly cite the fact that Mary no way impedes upon Christ, it may be that her offices that you have given to her extra-biblically, unbiblically, are impeding on Christ's offices. Mm -hmm. yeah. And even here, the one that I find a great offense at is the Holy Spirit's offices. Mm -hmm. Like, he's the advocate, he's the helper. They're under enough assault as is. I don't need Mary, who, by the way, was indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God, mm -hmm. who had a helper, who had an advocate. I can't imagine... Um, and this may be somewhat of an obscure thought, but I can't imagine being Mary and mm -hmm. seeing how my life had been perverted mm -hmm. to a point of idolatry when she was simply and uniquely without apology she was she she bore Christ in her womb but she needed the Christ of her womb mm, yeah all right so we have 6 <laughs> we have 6 we can go faster on these preaches a false i'm just going to hit the highlight again just yeah. to remind the people yeah. remind ourselves preaches a false gospel corrupts the word number 1 preaches a false gospel number 2 corrupts the word of god number 3 bishops are false apostles number 4 priests are false mediators number 5 they engage in idolatry number 6 usurps the sovereignty of god so i feel like we've hit preaches a false gospel i yeah. mean all of these things are going to be intertwined obviously yeah 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 and, Corrupt, and touch each other at certain yeah. points. We can do corrupts God's word yeah, yeah, quickly. Yeah, that one. Cor corrupting God's word to, to do this somewhat rapidly. There is there there are really two ways with this done. Number one, introduction of uh, extra biblical sources with bearing essentially bearing the same weight on them as you do Holy Scripture. Hmm. The reality is, and this is this is true across the board. It does not matter if you are exalting your feelings. It does not matter if you're exalting a secondary source or a document or what have you. If you believe that it's um, all authoritative, then there are, the, the authorities are eventually going to clash. Hmm. This is just yeah. the way that authority works. There's going to be a moment where the authorities are going to clash, and the question is, who wins? But often, often, more often than not, I would even say, that there is a clashing of extra-biblical authority with biblical authority, and what you will find most normatively is the scriptures then will be subordinate to tradition and the councils. Um, and so that being the case, Scripture is assaulted not only because there's been interjection of councils or things of that nature, um, but secondarily because it, it's, its authority is undermined to a lesser position. So you um, want to hear the extra books in the Catholic Bible? Sure. The people do. The, the book do. of Tobit, Judith, Wisdom of Solomon, Sirach, Second Maccabees, or Two Maccabees? Yeah. Book of Barak. Third Maccabees, fourth Maccabees, two Acedras, one Acedras, and Susanna. Mm. And when I was reading Augustine, he kept quoting Sirach and Wisdom of Solomon. Yeah. And like he was making points. It was just sad to see. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was making points, but it was like those points seemed to not have that weight. Yeah, that weight. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing, like inside of those, like some of those are historical books. But right? other those, like there would weren't there essentially revisions of count I mean, there's yeah. other people that are smarter than me in this area, but had Augustine write I mean, can't you make the argument that there would have been a continual refinement of the canon? And that I mean, Augustine was what? What year was three, Augustine? Uh, why you do that to me right now? I think it was three. I think, it, yeah, it's 300-ish. That was Augustine that quoted uh, the extra biblical stuff. Yes. Not Augustine. No, I say Augustine. 
No, he I'm died saying he's Augustine when he does the right thing. Oh, is Augustine. oh I hear you. Yeah. I hear you. Yeah, 430 AD. Anyways, we won't touch that. I don't have the history on it. Yeah, but the, but the major thing is to say, like, I don't think that you look at, like, we shouldn't look at the Apocrypha as if you touch it, you're, you're a Catholic. Right. Right? Like, yeah, 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 yeah which yeah. you should look at it and say, I can read this. It's not the Bible. Right. Yeah, it's not the Bible. I, mean, I think even though, also though, like anecdotally, when I have had a question for my Catholic family members, like they'll go to like Vatican II. Yeah, or, exactly. So like these kind of extra biblical rules of life yeah. that, you know, Catholic bishops have created. Right. That it's like, if it's not, like I don't see how if it's not in the scripture. How you arrive there. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so corruption, corruption of God's word, false apostles. This is essential. Wait, did we hit the apocrypha? Because that that would well, is, the major thing about the apocrypha, the apocrypha was added at the Council of Trent. Okay. I mean, it, it was essentially an introduction of more. Um, and you know, the question is ultimately why? Why was this introduced? And there was always debate around these books anyway. Like these books were not widely accepted, especially amongst the early church. They were just like eventually added in later. But it, isn't that what helped them like solidify the place of indulgences? And in yes, the, yeah, the, yeah. Which, which, which that uh, with Mike Mike Gendron brought out, which is like the argument was it was anchored in Second Maccabees, where the um, and I'm quoting him at this point pretty much, but where the some of the soldiers that were dead had pagan symbols around, and they essentially mm-hmm. sent. Um, they sent money, uh, essentially a sacrifice back to the temple, and the sacrifice was to free their souls, which they made the argument that this is the very same thing we're doing oh. in purgatory. So says the Protestant Apocrypha contains three books, one a Cedras, two a Cedras, and the Prayer of the Manasseh, that are accepted by many Eastern Orthodox churches and Oriental Orthodox churches as canonical? Canonical canonical, but are regarded as non-canonical by the Catholic Church and therefore not included in the modern Catholic Bible. Yeah, it's a, it's a, yeah. yeah we could go deep on the Eastern Orthodox, too, yeah, if you I want know, right? another episode. I was talking to a guy who was, who's, uh, I think he's Eastern Orthodox the other day. All right, so we got corrupts the Word of God, and then let's hit bishops are think, false apostles and priests are false mediators. Yeah, we can do, I, well, one's, so false apostles in regard to the bishops, the bishops say that they're essentially the replacements of the of the apostles and that they carry some of the similar weight. They don't say that they carry the exact same weight, but it's essentially that a bishop is going to be uniquely authoritative over and against, say, the the priest, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's a hierarchy, but nonetheless, they, they carry particular weight. The bishops can eventually make their way depending on, I don't know, however it plays out with for them. Um, they can make their way to cardinals. Cardinals then can make their way to being the Pope. The Pope is intended to be the, uh, you know, a descendant ultimately of the Apostle Peter, who is the cornerstone of the church based upon their um, interpretation of a few passages. Um, priest are, priest are false mediators. This is actually one that I think is very important. Again, there's one mediator between uh, God and man, and that's the man Christ Jesus. Shut up. Meaning that, and what's funny is during COVID, do y'all remember this? During during COVID, the 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 Pope tweeted, "You can just confess to God. You don't have to make your way to a priest." <laughs> and it's like, what the? <laughs> we we talked about this at small Clown. group on Monday. Yeah, about how we are all priests, and, yeah. the, and the priests of all the believers. Like makes it true that we all have a direct line to Christ, yeah. right? Like, there's no like, we don't have to go to someone else to get that direct line. Yeah, uh, super. Like, it's just a super helpful, yeah. freeing thing to be reminded mm. of. 
and that Christ is our high priest. Yeah. And yeah. that we have access, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. yeah. We have access to God through him. Yep. Veil's torn. Veil's torn. So if there's any hierarchy, Christ. it's me to Christ. <laughs> Christ to God. Oh, yeah, that's the way it actually plays out. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. Um, and so... And so anyway, um, but, but that's not actually the stopping point with their mediation. Like they have mediation of priests, but then they have mediation of Mary, then they have mediation of other saints. Like there's a massive amount of mediation mm-hmm. that takes place. I heard somebody once, I can't remember who, who said oh, this. Oh, yeah, but it's it all was, the patron saints. Yeah, exactly. And they have these little <clears throat> things in their car, yeah. the little patron saint yeah. of... Yeah, but even still, like the, the scriptural support for that is just super weak. Like It's, it's not like, there. It's like, well, I'm saying I was reading about it on Monday. It's like... It's like the verses in Revelation about the saints mm. basically asking if it's time. Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that's the scriptural support that they yeah. use to say that they're, like, mediating for yeah. us. And even then, they're actually they're actually mediating for themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're like, 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 in, like in that text, is it time? Yeah. Like, I want, I, I want to wrap this up kind yeah. of thing. Um, but, and so in the midst of that, you've got all types of mediation present. And I'm trying to remember, I can't remember exactly who said this, but... The basic argument was that it's like how what a love view you have of God mm. that you need another mediator other mm-hmm. than Christ, or what a love view you have of Christ that you need a mediator to go to Christ for you. Mm-hmm. And it's like I don't I don't need a mediator to go to Christ for me. He's made me his family. He's yeah. my elder brother. I go to him. He's imputed me unapologetically yeah. with his righteousness. And so I go to him as a son. I go to him as a younger brother. I go to him as one of the household of faith, not based upon the things that I have done, but based upon what he has done. Mm-hmm. He's like, he's clothed me with his righteousness. I have no reason to fear in coming to him. Mm-hmm. And so I go to him directly. We, we don't need a mediator. We have one that is all sufficient. Um, idolatry, I feel like we've hit that. Yeah, mm-hmm. like I would even say the patron saints is a oh, distortion and it would be, you know, idolatry I well don't th- and we even could you get into like or we've talked before about the art yeah, like yeah. The oh yeah second commandment violations throughout their cathedrals. well you know even then like the purpose is like not to enjoy the artistic value of yeah. any of that it's actually some sort of element of protection element of, yeah, or a focus yeah. of worship and so like you know you drive by some houses and you'll have the, <clears> the neighbors Mary or whatever yeah backyard yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, the though I think sometimes we're not allergic enough to idolatry. Yeah, right. It's like we see it and we're like, oh. but but and, and I think maybe even we we we've demeaned idolatry to where there is no symbolic nature of it because mm-hmm. we say things in Baptist churches like, well, nobody makes carved idols anymore, but it's you know money and sex and drugs and whatever. And it's like, no, 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 no. I can show you a place. There's tons of like mm-hmm. carved yeah. things mm-hmm. that are idolatrous. Yeah. And so certainly idolatry is there. They craft for themselves images that I think. I mean, I would argue based upon the second commandment that it's forbidden for you to make a visible representation for any person of the Godhead. Yeah. Um, and the place is literally littered with them. Mm-hmm. Um, All right, so, usurps the sovereignty of God. This is actually one of his more interesting ones. I, to be so, I, I get his argument. So his argument is this: you go, you go. The, the argument is that the priest has the ability to baptize. Baptism is the means of which God regenerates, mm-hmm. and so or the or the priest regenerates through baptism is basically the argument here. Which this is the assertion of their sovereignty that they're able to regenerate, they're mm-hmm. able to cleanse. I get that argument. I don't know if I would word it this way. Um, you said they're like clinging to, a, if this works, it's a process, and so therefore it's <clears throat> pragmatic. And right. As long as we do this process, 
really God's out of it. Yeah, like, yeah. We got it. Yeah. We just need to go do this to all these people. Yeah, and and there was, uh, you know, R.C. Sproul was making the argument um, in a video I was watching a couple of weeks ago that that it's not there. There's a divide inside of Catholicism, which some says that that this the efficiency of the operation is in the operation itself, meaning that if you do the motion, you're good, mm. right? So if you're, let's say, if you're baptized in a Roman Catholic church, then you're you're you know sprinkled in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Which there are a ton of people that would accept that baptism mm. by no means, um, but their acceptance of that baptism, well, the mechanics are done. It's like no, 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 no. There there are other things that matter in this, and so a divide inside of Catholicism is that there must be a willingness to participate in that. So you can't be actively aiming to avoid the sign, to avoid baptism, and then receive the action of baptism and it be a valid baptism. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are others that would say, if the motion happened, you're there, mm. right? I'll never forget the day. A dear, my, my best friend in high school, we were at a, we were at a camp and he um, seemingly, something was happening in him where he felt conviction of sin. Uh, and he was, he's, a, he's a Roman Catholic. He... Um, Walked outside. I was outside with him. He called his mom, and uh, he just felt the conviction of sin. Called his mom and was like, "I mean, I just I'm concerned for my own soul." Hmm. His mom responds, "I took care of that for you when you were born." Mm, sheesh. And I, I, but what got me mm. was I watched him relax. Yeah, the conviction just vapidly went away. Yep. And I thought to myself, she may have just damned him. Mm. Yeah. Um. And you know that that is that will always be a uh, uh, one of the most jarring moments for me to see and 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 look i i get i get the desire and i also get you know you, the question is why is this so big mm. i think there is a false promise given mm-hmm. there's a false promise given i and here's uh, this is what i'd say i think that there are protestants who do things like this mm. yeah who give false promises yeah. And they say, you do this, you're good. Mm. And it's like, no, 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 no. It's Christ who justifies. Mm-hmm. It's Christ who imputes righteousness. And so in that area, I would, I would affirm what he, what he says, that it's a usurping of God's sovereignty. I would not isolate it to the Roman Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. I would isolate it to any, any church, using that term loosely, um, that says, do this thing, and you're safe. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that is, I think that is, you can say, definitionally like devilish. would be pray this prayer. Pray this prayer. Yeah. I think. Um, Walk this way. Or do these things. Say these things. Believe these things. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. admit you're a sinner. Mm-hmm. Believe in Jesus. Be born. Confess your sin. It's like, yeah. It's like, yeah, but like, what about Jesus? You know what I mean? Like, there's mm-hmm. no gospel yeah. there mm-hmm. unless you know what Jesus did. Yeah, that's what's going back earlier. Like, there's, there's an intellectual defense based on biblical truth yeah. that can be interacted between two interested parties discovering mm-hmm. what's true. You know, yeah. to me, it's like a lot, of, a lot of my life was it was more about how you felt. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, yeah. these things that are just wayward, you know, yeah. things that I can't trust on. But when you begin to define for me the salvation that I have and have been given in mm-hmm. Christ, you know, I was driving down the road this week, and I called Lawson, and I was like, hey, bro, like, this just hit different. Like, to hear the... I was meditating on Scripture as I drove, and just, you know, Scripture coming through my mind, I was like, oh, there's a point in the day in which he will judge the world in righteousness. Mm-hmm. And I was like... 
I've I've heard that verse a thousand times. It's so funny yeah. how that works. And all of a sudden, because I'm meditating on it and thinking about it and just examining it, it's like, whoa, whoa. Like, it's it's not that he's bringing the law to, to hold every, to hold court and hold everyone accountable to sin, mm-hmm. right? And, and looking for the non-guilty. Mm-hmm. Like, he's looking for the righteous. Mm-hmm. And without his righteousness, mm-hmm. we can say, none is righteous, no, no not, not one. one. Yeah. And so it's like, bro, that is a huge tremble. Like, and and the 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 Catholic Church undermines. I mean, that, it goes back to the beginning of you know what you were saying was yeah. it ultimately undermines his justification. It it undermines his imputation of righteousness and the sufficiency of his ministry, mm-hmm. his work, his life, his death, burial, and resurrection. I mean, mm-hmm. it undermines First Timothy saying that he was attested to the world, believed upon, taken up by angels, yeah. and like that's the mystery of godliness. It's him. Yeah. It's not you, me, or anybody else. Yeah. It's not works. It's not anything <laughs> that we can do. Yeah. And to me, it's like, who who is Jesus? What must I do to be saved? Mm. Cast yourself on Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So in and, conclusion... And, and, well... <laughs> <laughs> just just maybe to to make that final point at the end of the day that like the christian hears everything you just said and says uh thank god for the sending of the son mm-hmm. the catholic says i better work mm-hmm. i better maintain my righteousness i better go to the sacraments i better do these things that my soul might be found righteous before before god the mm-hmm. protestant says my soul is counted righteous before God mm-hmm. without reservation and simultaneously not only without reservation but without any pride in self mm-hmm. like I, I don't I, there's there's no Protestant can consistently say I have I, I'm righteous before God and I did it mm-hmm. none can say this mm-hmm. but but the Protestant can say consistently I'm righteous before God because of the finished work of Christ and it's all him and none of me, right? Mm-hmm. And even then, in the midst of sanctification, in the, in the process in which he, he works that out in us, it's not, a, it's not a growth of our own righteousness so that God might accept us. It's a, growth of, it's a growth of holiness and fidelity and love unto Christ in our activities because we love him, mm-hmm. because of the wonderful justification that he's provided. And... Um, you know, I just, it's, it's an incredible thing to, to see, like as you savor something so good, right? You're, you're tasting and seeing the goodness of the gospel, and then you see somebody grab hold of it, take all your language, and corrupt it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's an offense, and I think there is a genuine sense in which the Christian should be offended, um, that they would name the name of Christ that they would demean his sufficiency of the atonement, that they would undermine the Spirit's ability to give a sufficient revelation in the Word, and that they would, they would think so lowly of, of Christ and the Father that they must go through the mediation of lesser men to get to him. Mm-hmm. He, made, he, he gave us a mediator. Um, so with that, I do have a verse, unless you're about to say something else. Oh, I had a real, wonderful run of verses. Oh, no, bro, I do it. So in conclusion, I have a Bible verse, Acts seventeen twenty nine through 31. 
Being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of man. The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent, because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead." So I'd like to thank my fellow elders, Lawson Harlow and Blake McCullough, for the time spent today. Fellas, I'm thankful for my brothers and my friends. Godspeed. Some day it was like on my early morning feed and was like, Fourth day with the stomach, fourth day with food poisoning. Oh, I did see this. And I said, bro, virus. Heck yeah, that's and not food said, poisoning. And he said, no, it's food poisoning. I've been eating the same pack of meat. <laughs> I forgot to check the date. <laughs> I said, cool diet. <laughs> I'm on a cleanse. It's a different kind. <laughs> it's called salmonella. Can <laughs> you imagine? Could Gross. you imagine? I couldn't. God, bro. That's how I feel every time I eat a potato.